Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. Today, we're doing it live. I mean, we're recording it in advance, but we're doing that live. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're talking about updates to Atlassian Cloud. You've got a lot of new user management options there. We've got some updates to the core Atlassian products and some neat new add-ons. And to round it all off, we're going to talk about how to work with difficult people such as myself. I am your difficult person host, Ryan Spilkin, and I am joined today by two completely not difficult people, Brenda Burl and Matthew Stubblefield. Hello, you two. I'd say hello, but it's too difficult. <laughs> and hopefully my Wi-Fi will stay up long enough for me to also say hello. Oh, yeah. that And that brings us to the reason that we're doing it live. And therefore, we're going to keep going right on to the news about Atlassian and Okta. Matthew? Yeah, so there's an article on ZDNet today. And by today, I mean it is October 15th when we're reading this article from October 7th. That's just how live we are, <laughs> looking at the past. Uh, but uh, over the last two weeks, as we do in this podcast, looking at all the news that was and is, Atlassian announced an integration with Okta. Uh, this is for uh, identity management provisioning, single sign-on, et cetera. And we, we spoke, I think it was literally just in the last podcast, about changes to uh, Atlassian Access and SAML, uh, meaning that you would need Atlassian Access in the cloud. And one podcast later, you don't necessarily need Atlassian Access. You can use Okta. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, nice to uh, see two things here. One, a continuation of Atlassian's investment in strategic partnerships. I think that really strengthens Atlassian's position in the market. I think that's really good. Uh, two, continuing to highlight this need for security. Uh, Okta's a great security provider. Uh, it's always good if you can get um, two-factor authentication, single sign-on, simplify that for the users. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, nice move by both Atlassian and Okta here to improve identity management uh, for the Atlassian products. And in the cloud blog, there are additional changes to identity management that are rolling out without Okta, including the ability to set password policy without Atlassian access, which is a pretty big step. And mm -hmm. if you, this, and this borderline, this is borderline big brother, but now you're able to see the location details in the audit log so you can actually see where what ip address users have used to trigger actions in your jira i think it's cool when when ryan first read the story as we were preparing i was like location details is it like a little google map that shows the pin of where the person was at uh which would actually not be super helpful if you're all in the same building but uh <laughs> ip address uh audit log is a tremendously powerful if simple tool uh super super helpful for you admins out there if you haven't been looking at the audit log take a look and uh, getting the IP address I was changed both good from a security you know standpoint be able to see where changes were made from uh, but also just sort of tracking down you know somebody made a change to, to better understand why and, and who made it there, so yeah, and real nice uh, change here in cloud and there's another really nice touch that they've added to Jira service desk where you are able to now create and link issues in one go that's a super mm -hmm. nice little quality of life change and they made this directly after we recorded our last podcast. So, <laughs> so that's how that's how live this is. 
<laughs> but of course, we will include links to all the relevant um, websites that you'll need if you want to read further about these updates. It looks like really good stuff coming to the cloud. And on the server front, lots and lots and lots of changes as well. Um, looking specifically at Jira Software 8.4.2, um, a number of bug fixes have been issued, particularly around boards, um, such as things from opening board selection on a software project shows boards from projects open in different tabs. Um, uh, Lucene immense field indexing failures, um, printing, formatting, those sorts of things. Quite a lot of fixes around Kanban boards for inconsistent behavior, um, as well as some things that have been fixed with integration with Bitbucket. Um, so lots of lots of things in um, Jira Software Server 8.4.2. Um, Matthew, want to talk about portfolio? Sure. <laughs> Much like the little box at the top of the portfolio page that states, we are excited to announce the release of Portfolio for Jira 3.12. I am also excited to talk about Portfolio for Jira 3.12. A uh, long-awaited feature from the Portfolio plan. Uh, this was, uh, I got, I don't even know how long ago requested. We can now share them. Share plans on a Confluence page. You can embed it. Uh, look at the little screenshot. looks like an iframe, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to fuss about that. I don't mind uh, iframes my Confluence pages. So uh, one of the things I love uh, about Confluence, the way I like to use it is to generate reports for other people on the data that's in JIRA. Um, trying to send like a VP or C-level executive to look through JIRA issues doesn't tend to work well. And because you can export Confluence pages nicely, like embedding a portfolio plan there, having that view uh, integrated with our stories and our other data, it's, it seems small and yet that's really, really nice. Um, you know, so beyond embedding an iframe, which is great, uh, there's a number of other uh, sort of interface changes, uh, improvements here, new filters, grouping issues by labels. Um, you know, you really got to look through the page. Um, one thing to note uh, at the very bottom of the page, streamlined experience of creating and selecting issues. Uh, so this is the ability to do some things that we're probably familiar with from other tools, uh, shift click to select groups of issues, uh, control click and whatnot. Take a look at the GIF at the bottom of the page though, because it, it, it's not that it behaves in an unexpected fashion necessarily, but it, it might be unexpected to you. Notably, if you've got issues that are nested, uh, and you don't have them expanded out and you shift click sort of through the whole grouping, it's not necessarily going to select those child issues, um, those subtasks. So take a look. That may be some unexpected behavior there. Uh, so make sure that you're familiar with uh, the, the new changes in portfolio before you upgrade and start using them. And while we're on the upgrade train, Confluence has also received a point upgrade with version 7.0.3. Looks pretty minor, but if your Confluence instance was disconnected from the internet, say, there is the possibility that you are having massive uh, delays in using the tool, and that's been resolved. So by, by way of comparison, the Jira one Brenda covered had 33 bug fixes. The Confluence one has five. So like, yeah. Confluence one, eh, you're eh. probably okay missing it. The Jira one, though, you probably definitely want to take a look at. 33 bugs, that's, a, that's yeah. some, some, some interesting ones. There. It is indeed a sizable list. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this one is pretty minor. Some some nice little touches, but again, just a point release to buff out any wrinkles from the last version. Moving on from the update train, disembarking as it were, 
Um, Mind the gap. (laughs) Mind the gap. Really lovely article on developments in WordPress and using um, continuous deployment and version control with Bitbucket. Um, I I really enjoyed this article because it opens up with, uh, you know, time to fess up. If you're anything like me, your your early WordPress development years was, was cowboy coding, making changes, live sites, everything is crazy. Everything is breaking. Oh my goodness. Super stressful. Um, I, I feel like I need to find out what Alexa's screen, like handle is her screen name because I have a feeling she and I were working on WordPress stuff at the same time. Probably, probably, definitely how yeah. we did it 15 years ago. Yeah, that is that is how it was done. Um, and she says, "Well, this is absolutely thrilling. Um, it's not fantastic." And so she then talks about you know how she was trying to do continuous deployment. You could do staging sites. You'd have duplicate WordPress installations. But you still had long, messy lists of things to change on the live site and uh, make sure to toggle this on staging before copying over. And also backups were a nightmare with my-theme-staging-one, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And I think Matthew and I both remember these days as well. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And then she talks about how she begins using Git. um, And and she goes into, this is a a really well-written article. Um, she's diagrammed out what her workflow looks like. So she, she goes into the Alexa Green WordPress deployment routine. Um, and she basically does a step-by-step. This is, this is how I've set everything up, and this is what it looks like. Uh, with screenshots, um, with arrows, it's been annotated, which is near and dear to my uh, technical documentation, technical writer heart. Um, so she gives you basically all the detail that you'd need to go through and, and follow her workflow. Um, so it's, it's worth definitely taking a look at it. It's, it's well put together, well organized. She talks about then syncing word, WordPress databases across the installations, uh, just a lot of really good stuff for maintaining WordPress sites in particular. Um, so definitely we'll have a link to that in our SoundCloud description. Please do check that out. And if you are not a WordPress user, um, this article still has some relevance for you, particularly down, uh, it's about halfway down if you're scrolling, uh, when she gets into pipelines and starts talking about deploying to staging separate from production uh, and how to set that up in your Bitbucket. So even if you aren't using WordPress, if if you have anything you need to be deploying to production, you really ought to be deploying to staging first, check out some of these to get a really nice use case contextualized example of uh, how to how to set that up in Bitbucket. Yeah, I, I could see myself bookmarking this one and using it for reference for quite some time to come. So mm-hmm. Nice. Another thing that we think is really worth checking out is another post on the Atlassian developer blog, Design Your Next App with the Atlassian Vendor Sketch Plugin. Now, as both Matthew and Brenda knows, in a previous life, I was a graphic designer. And, man, this is good stuff. This really helps a designer... Uh, or UX person mocking up new Atlassian apps to to get it done really quickly. There are templates built in. There are supplies of, of um, fake data that you can populate menus with. Royalty-free neuro-generated uh, faces. Actually, that's a little strange. Uh, <laughs> a whole palette of symbols, your text and colors, just a ton of, of really choice Atlassian design elements, all available for you to drop into Sketch and make some nice, nice designs. For those of you who aren't familiar, Sketch is a graphic design tool kind of analogous to uh, uh, Photoshop. Um, Illustrator. Or maybe Illustrator. Illustrator. Yeah, now I'll just analogous to Illustrator. Um, it has a statistic on here, 60 minutes without tools, 21 minutes with tools. So using this, you can see a, a 
potential three time increase in your sort of uh, throughput for developing these designs. Um, something that I've been learning recently because I'm I'm now working with an app development team on a project that hopefully we can announce soon on this podcast uh, is by having these types of designs, it speeds up development too. Uh, so like knowing exactly what you're going towards, what it's going to look like. Uh, and then because these are Atlas kit components, you know, knowing the right components to leverage and to reference and use in your, your app development, which is also going to help you be more future proof. It's going to improve performance. Uh, there's, there's more to this than just making something pretty quickly. Uh, it has a lot of follow on impacts for your app development. So, um, uh, we don't like have any sort of partnership with sketch or anything, but we, I, I did start using it a couple of years ago um, for my team. It's been pretty good. Uh, check it out. I think they've got a, I think sketch has a trial. Um, so you can always check that out without having to pay anything and, and see if this uh, plugin works for you. I had to really break a lot of my illustrator habits to get used to working in sketch. But once, once mm-hmm. I was able to let those go, I I've really enjoyed using it. So check that out. Yeah. And sp- and speaking of things that both Matthew and Brenda know a lot about, <laughs> they've both managed me, and they know that I can be, a, a, you know what, a little bit of a difficult person. So when I saw this article on the Atlassian blog, How to Work with Difficult People, I thought, if there's anyone who could give our listeners some advice on how to work with difficult people, it would be these two. Uh, so we're not going to read the article for you. We'll just link to it. But Matthew, Brenda, how, how do you deal with me? <laughs> <laughs> well... I mean, not just you, but I've, I have had to manage some difficult people. I want to call out two things. Uh, and again, we're not going to read this. So step two, get curious about that person. I actually tried this and it was unsuccessful. So as you're reading this article, like take it with a grain of salt. There's a lot you can read out there around handling difficult conversations and, and dealing with resolving conflict. Sometimes when you're just trying to get to know somebody uh, in a difficult situation, it, it doesn't come across well. Like they're not open to it, right? Um, which is why I, I like the next step even better, which is don't let the problem fester. That's really the key. You, your curiosity isn't going to be well-received until you already have started building a rapport with somebody. So if it's a difficult situation, you can't go straight to that. You've got to start addressing the problems, just being open and honest about it. Take things head on, give positive feedback, take a strengths-based approach. Like, you know, so it's, this isn't really a blueprint or like a process, but these are all helpful things to, to keep in mind. My personal experience, though, addressing the problems early and often, giving positive strengths-based feedback, that's a, that's a good, well-practiced strategy. I would agree that not letting the problem fester is, is pretty critical. Um, the first tip in this article is boost your emotional intelligence. It's very, very easy to go, that person, that person, that person, they're bad, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're bad at their job, they're incompetent, they make me look bad. It, it takes two to tango. Um, and I've actually had to deal with this myself fairly recently of, you know, I'm playing a role in this particular conflict. Um, you know, I generally get along really well with people. And so it's baffling to me when I find someone that is, you know, a little bit harder for me to, to understand. Um, so, so the first thing for me was, all right, I'm part of this. I'm contributing to it. Let me understand how I'm contributing to that not letting it fester and then being curious. You know, one of, one of mine recently was I just want to spend time with that person and get to know them because I now see that person as, you know, a human being and a history. And this is, this is my motivation. And, and, you know, this is, this is what my life is like. And I can now go, okay, you, you weren't born this that drives me crazy. You, you, 
have a background and a history that got to that. You did have to go through what Matthew said, though. You you had yes, to just. I did. Had to, I, yeah. I, I, the the key thing is not letting it not letting it linger. You got to deal with it. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. It can be very very it. difficult. Um, and then the last item is remember the power of positive feedback. And I've I've I have found, especially for me, that praising that other person either directly or to their superiors really goes a long way with me as well. Of I'm, I value that person, you know, maybe, maybe we don't get along well, but I am showing the world that I understand, you know, experience, expertise, what they bring to the table and not just sitting here going, I don't like this person. So it's, it's all of those tips in this article are really, really good and very important. And as for me, the only advice I can give is uh, just try not to be so damn difficult. And, and have good bosses like Matthew and me. <laughs> there is that too. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode of Adaptivist Live. Thank you so much for listening. Please feel free to like and share wherever fine podcasts are liked and shared. If you want to reach us directly, email us at learn at adaptivist.com. And join in the fun on social. Follow us at Adaptivist. For Matthew Stubblefield and Brenda Burrow, I'm Ryan Spilkin, and we'll see you next time on Adaptivist Live. I'll cut. I'm going to cut all this. So that's fine. <laughs> all of it. No more podcasts. All of it. The whole podcast is being cut. <laughs> <laughs>